you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. With AT&T in-car Wi-Fi, elevate your adventure by transforming your vehicle into a reliable Wi-Fi hotspot. Connect up to 10 devices up to 50 feet away from your vehicle, making it ideal for camping and road trips. Don't miss out on the fun. Embark on your next adventure today. Visit att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi to check if you're eligible for a free trial. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. The Around the League podcast knows how to spell Humanawa Nui. Welcome back to another edition of the Around the League podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I'm joined by a room filled with heroes. Chris Wessling, Mark Sessler, and Greg Rosenthal. What up, boys? Hey, Dan. Good afternoon. Got a full house again. It always feels better with the full house. A full house that will be growing. Dave Damashek coming into the studio at some point. And we have a special guest, Greg Cosell of NFL Films. Well, yeah, that that's very exciting. Cosell is uh, quite knowledgeable in the world of football, I found, in, uh, <laughs> yes. in my travels. As opposed to the other people in this room or what are you trying to yeah, say i would say yeah, he knows so more than us to the room uh, maybe wes knows more i don't know no way. wes is kind of a genius which is why later at the end of the show we will be playing win wes's toaster it's such a bad audio effect we gotta we gotta improve that one wow you know what do you think Cambridge? we can do a little better work on a new one I think we can do a good one. The person who's uh, doing the sound effect has to do a good job, too. Oh, that's a dig at me. It's coming right back at me. <laughs> I mean, that was, that was throwing some people under the bus. That's like an on-air talent blaming the production assistant for uh, something wrong. No, okay, Bad which, job. No, the reason I don't like it is probably because I'm the one who, um, you know, delivered the audio for it. I just picked up somebody's food on the table. The podcast studio is still in dire shape. But uh, let let us get... Straight into a very busy day. We got a lot going on. Uh, we'll start it right now, though, with the news. Yeah. Speaking of production values, uh, I emailed Krich a couple days ago. I said last time the music came on, it wasn't loud enough. That's such a good song. It's got to be loud. Krich delivered that time. My ears hurt. Bonkers sex. It can't be low at all. <laughs> all right, guys. Starting off, number one, Peyton Manning misses practice Wednesday with an ankle injury, but they say he will play on Sunday. This helps explain those throws we were talking about on Sunday night that didn't look 
quite as good as normal. I didn't think his throws were that bad, but a lot of them were because he was on the move and he couldn't push off on the ankle. As long as it's not the shoulder, it seems to me like a not much of an issue. I mean, if he took that bad hit on Sunday and a lot of people speculated that that was the reason why the balls were floating, because I thought they really were floating pretty bad, but uh, you know, if it was a driving off issue, maybe this is it. We'll see. He's not 24 years old, so you know it's not shocking Nor are to me. You, Mark. No, I mean I can relate to this guy. He's <laughs> at the age where you know just going through life's activities. He's going to have an ankle tweak here and there. They took a photo of him this morning <laughs> uh, during his press conference. His ankles, a, a shot of just his ankles, and they yeah. said this guy looks fine. He'll be fine. It's something to watch for though, and who knows if it's his ankle or his shoulder or whatever. That's fair. This is the most he's been hit in a long time. The last thing he wants to do is miss a Wednesday practice where they're preparing for the game. That's when it's installed. So it's significant that he missed it. Then again, how many teams are going to be able to hit him ten times? I don't think there's many of them. Mark, tell us about the aging process. I'm, I don't. I'm not in a situation that much different a than Wes, who's like about twelve days younger than I am, or frankly, you, Dan. You're not right. a young man yourself. Listen, I got some time. I got some time. He I just have, has no responsibilities. Well, at this time, yes. <laughs> I know I have a garden, as I've said several times, <laughs> and I, I tend to it quite well. What else is in the news, K. Rich? We all know that a garden is a lot of work. Thank you, K. Rich. Mo- moving on. <laughs> She's serious. <laughs> Blaine Gabbard wrenched in Jacksonville. Brandon Whedon. Sorry, Mark. Benched in Cleveland, and we turn our heads to Chad Henney in the Ville and to Jason Campbell in Cleveland. Mm. See what you've done to us, Brandon Whedon? Now we have to live with Jason Campbell. <laughs> it is a dark time, only because Campbell is about the most unoriginal and dull option you could source at the quarterback position, and that's where they are. for the, this, is, this happens to the Browns annually. you got about 10 weeks staring down the pipe of... <laughs> How do we get through this? Is it week 16 or something already? This just feels like such a late-season move. Are you happy with Jason Campbell over Brandon Whedon? Well, I Which guess one would I'm, you rather? Well, I'm, I'm happy with whenever you realize that your quarterback has imploded psychologically, too. You, they need to get him off the field. That's what I'm happy with. Nothing about Campbell excites me. You can tell in this room who watched the Browns game last week because the people who watched it will <laughs> tell you that they can't possibly go with Brandon Whedon again. You cannot. It was, he cannot. was that bad. Yeah. Chud, Chud made the right move here, although no one's going to get excited about Jason Campbell. And even though Jeff Garcia you know, called <laughs> up the Browns apparently and asked for a tryout, that tells you a lot. You know, Whedon was that was one of the worst games I've seen in a long. That was Tyler Palco. That was the worst game that I've ever seen Blaine Gabbert have. Yeah. So Whedon's game was worse than any Blaine Gabbert game you've seen. Yes. Oh, I see what you're saying. I think it's all in a deep swamp (laughs) of ugliness. I'm not sure I'm able to separate one from the next, but but Whedon that might I think from the neck up he's shot. The and Gab- I think it showed. The Gabbert news flew under the radar because they're in London and they're the Jaguars and he's coming off an injury, so Henny's already been in the lineup. But this is the first time that Blaine Gabbert is healthy and that he's benched. So it's the first time the Jaguars and the Browns are basically saying, that's it, it's over, these guys aren't our future, that's obvious now, we're moving on, and that's pretty much the Whedon and Gabbert eras are over and the season's over. Curtains. But- and I don't think anyone says it's premature either for no, either guy. No. Both both of them actually got a lot more chances than other other players have gotten and you know, 
neither did anything with it, so it is what it is. You are a factory of sadness. So you're <laughs> you're you giving up on your four thousand yard prediction, Dan, or <laughs> well, <laughs> still think that could happen for Whedon? It could. You know what? Who knows? Maybe in the uh, the CFL. What about for his career? I never said what season it would happen. <laughs> his, yeah, his career it's still in play. Uh, shut up, guys. What else is in the news, K. Rich? All right, guys. After a not so impressive first game against the Minnesota Vikings, Josh Freeman has a concussion and. Christian Ponder will get his job back. Very strange. Mm. A lot of depressing quarterback stories. Yeah. Very strange because Leslie Frazier spoke to the media on Tuesday and said Josh Freeman is our quarterback and then comes back on Wednesday and says he suffered a concussion during the game. We don't know what the real story is. Well, in theory, they found out because Freeman came in after he made those comments yesterday and said, I think in the third quarter of the game, I wasn't feeling right. I guess this, though, it, it required the Vikings to handle this quarterback balancing act really well, and it's turning into a, an utter disaster. Christian Ponder came out a little fiery today, too. I like that. They asked him, you know, have they told you you're going to start by more than just this game? And he said, well, you know, last time I started, apparently I was on a short leash and I didn't even know about it. Well, wouldn't you wow. imagine? I like that. That's yeah. okay. He can be like that. Yeah, a little fire under him. Oh. Do you think he and his <laughs> I don't know if Greg, on... that was a stand-up move by Greg there. That seemed a little premature. Christian Ponder gets a stand-up now? Hey, let's see something <laughs> out of him. I mean, that's the most exciting thing we've ever heard from I his just mouth. imagine like 2 a.m. calls between Ponder and his agent planning the next move, thinking, I'm, I'm out of here, and then suddenly you're back in with a team that doesn't want you. I can't wait until he plays lights out over the final two months of the season and then gets an apology contract. Lights oh. out from Christian Ponder. <laughs> now that would be a shock. They would have won that game if Ponder or Castle was starting. I really believe that. That's how bad Freeman was. That's an illusion. Hey, anything, <laughs> anything else in the news, K. Rich? Yeah, guys, one last thing. More Browns news. Josh Gordon says he's been hearing trade rumors for weeks now. Well, I have compiled on this note a list of the 10 candidates most likely to be traded by next Tuesday's trade deadline. I'm holding it in my, my hands. My question to you, the three of you guys, which player is the most likely to be traded or which player would you most like to see change teams? Well, those are two different questions. I'd love to see Josh Gordon go to the New England Patriots, but I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> but it'd be fun. And well, it actually almost makes a little sense. I was asking for real NFL fans, not homers. Like, oh. which trade would make the most sense? Well, here's my question about Josh Gordon. Why, why are the Browns, and we don't actually know if they're really shopping him, but why would they trade him? Wouldn't he be someone you would go get a quarterback next year and then use Gordon to build around? If you're asking me, I find it I find it baffling too. Except I think that you know Wes has pointed out before that it's a new regime that really views him as a character risk. That you get something for him now, or he has one more strike in the middle of May when he's hanging around an NBA Finals team, and it's all over. Well, that- and we've seen, by the way, Michael Lombardi operated with Brian Hoyer. The opinions he had before he became general manager still hold some sway with him. Mm. And he called Josh Gordon a waste of a supplemental pick. Although you have to, you ha- any anyone who has is being paid to assess talent on the football field, when that comment was made, it was long before what we've seen from Josh Gordon. I think that the team is wrestling with the fact that wait a minute, this guy is the kind of receiver we can build a passing game around. Wait, if if he is really on the trade market, they don't like him. I mean, they don't like him for strong reasons because he's a difference maker. He's 
one of the most productive players on their entire team. So the fact they're entertaining trades and they're open to him, there are concrete reasons why they don't want him, well, whether it's his attitude, whatever it is. We've we've seen many reports about his attitude, his worth ethic, his worth work ethic, the fact that he's one more uh, strike. Yeah, one more strike away from a long suspension. I'm sure the Browns front office is worried about all of those things. Well, I think part of the issue, and we don't know what's going on behind closed doors, but I would not assume that the coach and the front office have the same ob- objective here. If you're Rob Chizinski, you don't want to give up on Josh Gordon. One name that jumped out on the list, on Wes's list for me, was uh, Maurice Jones-Drew, because there's a lot of logic for why he should be traded. Um, but I'm just curious of A, has he shown that he's come back from that foot injury? And B, is, this some, is he the type of player at this point in his career that could take a, a contender to the next level on I, their offense? I placed him in the same category with Hakeem Nix and Kenny Britt, where any general manager who's been watching game film won't want to surrender a draft pick for him. It would take a leap of faith to say, hey, this guy's gradually getting a little bit faster by the week. But it's, there's nothing on game film that will make you say Jones Drew is an upgrade at my running back. Britt is an abject disaster, and Jones Drew is way past his prime. Nick's to me, is in a different category. I mean, he's someone, couldn't you see, Chris, if he gets in a different situation, that he could play pretty well? I mean, he's talented. I think he looks better now than he did in August. So I think if you say, yes, this guy, he's dropping passes because he's playing with a dislocated finger. Maybe he gets better in a few weeks and gives us a, some, something down the stretch run. I agree with your number one pick, which is, was Fred Davis. And, uh, you know, for, you have the Jets as a potential target. I think that, you know, the Jets surprisingly frisky and not going away anytime soon, yeah, they potentially. Are. And you know what? Listen, they lost, they lost uh, Kellen Winslow. Fred Davis is... Not that much a different player at this point than Kellen Winslow, I don't think. I think the Redskins are deciding they're moving on from him. I think uh, Fred Davis, if he's healthy, is a much better if he's player. Healthy. Than- if Wait, he's healthy. Are we just forgetting about what Jeff Cumberland hey, has been doing? Cumby? Cumby. I'm taking Jeff Cumberland over Fred Davis. Fred Davis Hold can't on, even get on the field for the What's Redskins. The, what do you do these days? You overload defenses <laughs> with a couple tight ends. I think that Fred Davis is a match there. I also I also would put the Buffalo Bills in that category. I'm, I'm not going to let Greg take the reins of the Jeff Cumberland bandwagon because I drive that. <laughs> yeah. You Sorry. can hop on for the Sorry. ride, but I am behind. Whatever Jeff Cumberland does is major news. <laughs> also on this list, uh, Jason Babin. I, th- I could see that. You mentioned the Cowboys for Jones-Drew, and that makes so much sense because the move doesn't make sense, but it just sounds like something the Cowboys <laughs> would do. And they're saying they're looking for a running back, and he's got a shiny name, and you could see Jerry Jones kind of convincing himself this is a good idea. I could see that happening. And well, don't- oh, sorry. One other one that yeah. makes sense, Mark Ingram. And I think that, Wes, you, we were talking about earlier, it's like the Saints should trade this guy. But there may be some stubbornness to not admit that they got it wrong. Yeah, I don't think that Sean Payton and Mickey Loomis want to say, hey, we traded up to get this guy, but he, you know, he doesn't fit what we do. When it's obvious when you watch their games, there's no more of a mismatch any running back in the league to the offense that, that he's in than Mark Ingram. I think you could argue of this entire list, the best player combined with the most likely chance to get traded is Jairus Bird of the Bills. Yeah. Now, they're still in the mix at three and four, but. Why don't they trade him? I, I don't understand it. Is anyone? <laughs> I don't know. Well, I, I guess think that I think they've been listening. They've been they've said they're open to it in you know publicly. Can't they get a better compensatory pick next spring than they could for dealing him now? 
get like a third late a third round pick probably yeah. and how much are you going to give up for a guy that has a foot injury that who knows if that could flare up again i don't i don't know how much value and i don't know i if i'm a, a G- gm on the other side of the table or the phone i don't really like when guys play play it the way Jairus bird has played it this year with his contract and possibly sitting out games and practices i don't know i just kind of get a bad vibe and it's never fun to throw in salary cap implications for trade talk hot stove talk but a lot of these deals can't happen for those reasons Mm -hmm. i looked at the teams that are under the cap and most of the teams with a lot of cap space right now are not contenders so that kind of rolls out any reason to pull the trigger on a trade there's been a lot of trades already more than any year we can remember significant players we appreciate it gms keep it going ryan (laughs) call up ryan grigson he just is that guy in your fantasy league he's gonna trade just to trade do it (laughs) well it's funny you bring up grigson because i was just gonna say the last point i had was number three on wes's list is hakeem nix and you know when reggie wayne goes down everyone's first thought is oh they're gonna go out and get somebody and maybe it's nix but you know, after they the Colts gave up a first round pick for Richardson, I can't imagine they're going to mortgage their future well, any they further. Maybe they can sell high and trade Richardson to another team for a third round pick at this point. <laughs> they might Woo! be looking at a six rounder for him. You know, Sessler's really enjoying this Trent Richardson. I'm not implosion. enjoying it. He's a fine person, from what all I can see. I just think it's like immediately it was said, "Oh, Cleveland." This, you know, room of idiots got just <laughs> fleeced. Well, no, they didn't. That's fair. Is that That's a shot fair. at me? No, 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 it was the shot at the, every single person all of us right in this away. Room that every not single named person Sessler. right away. It, it takes a lot for Sessler to send out a caustic, like mean-spirited tweet, which you did the other day about the Browns, just <laughs> killing I? everyone for making fun of the Browns trade. You're like, oh, I guess the Browns got fleeced on this Richardson <laughs> trade. It was great. You used the wow. word heist, didn't you? Um, <laughs> which was the exact word I used in the article I wrote. I think I said fleeced. Oh, I thought you said heist. Well, it was not a shot at Wes. I, I think that your analysis has been strong on the thing. It's just that they were <laughs> illicit. We don't, that's right. enough. So before we get to Greg Cosell, do you guys want to touch on the Thursday night football game for a few minutes? I'm not crazy excited about it, but I work for the Shield. I'll be watching the game. I'll be writing about it. Um, what do you guys think? Carolina Panthers going into Tampa Bay. The Bucks at some point, are going to get a win. The Giants got a win, uh, but the Panthers are playing well. I have a mind-blowing stat yes. backed up oh, yeah. by another mind-blowing stat. Mm. By the way, Wes seems sharp today, which could be bad news for the callers and win Wes's toaster. I am put <laughs> together today. Well, I'm ready to roll. You're doubling down on mind-blowing stats. You're dressed well. Your your dome is shining. I think you buffed it this morning. Well, he's got furniture in his apartment. Oh, he's got I furniture. furniture in my apartment. And he has the love of a woman coming into his life, Whoa. which maybe we'll get into later in the week. <laughs> K-Rich is on it. <laughs> All right. Sorry. Go ahead. So the how bad have the Buccaneers' defense been? We've talked about this in the last podcast. In back-to-back weeks, they've surrendered a career-high passer rating to the opposing quarterback, Nick Foles, and Matt Ryan got named Offensive Player of the Week for his performance against a secondary with Darrell Rivas, Deshaun mm. Goldson, and Mark Barron. That is absurd. And now they have to play Cam Newton coming off back-to-back career games. Cam Newton coming off two of the three highest passer ratings of his career and the only quarterback in the NFL this season with back-to-back games passer rating over 136. He only had two incompletions in that game, and I kind of expected them all to be dump-offs. And he had some great co- throws in that game. It was not that easy One against the One of those the St. incompletions was yet another Steve Smith drop. 
it was a drop, and the other one was at the end of the first half in desperation mode. It's crazy how well Cam Newton's playing, and that's why I'm excited about Thursday night. It's just a chance to watch Cam. Well, if the Panthers, yeah, if Cam has one of his Cam games and the Panthers have one of those games where all of a sudden you're like, whoa, these guys look great, which they've done it a couple times this year, and they've done it in the past the Newton in the Newton era. Let's say they drop a 38-7 on the Bucks, I can which, see it. which they've been doing. They've been handing out butt whoops. Right. Anyway, Shiano gets canned in the we weekdays that follow. Hope. Are the Glazers paying attention? Do well, they, I guess do they follow the team? <laughs> They're following <laughs> Manchester United. It's a very fair question. So me. we all got the Panthers, by the way. We're all picking the Panthers. Yeah, and D'Angelo Williams, for all the fantasy owners out there, let's do something in the open field. Not the same guy anymore. That's one thing you watch. Not a bad player at all. But not a guy that's not, a difference not maker. Not playing anymore. badly. I, I don't think he's playing badly at all. And uh, Jonathan Stewart coming Make back next miss. week. Yes. I actually don't like the idea of having to throw Stewart back into the mix because it, it seems like there's too many running backs on that team at times. If Jonathan Stewart is healthy, and this is one of the biggest ifs in the NFL, he's one of the five or six most talented running backs in the league. He you know, was. That was a lot of injuries if, ago. If he's healthy. What's the track record for guys coming back in the middle of the season off double ankle surgery? <laughs> Not it's good. Been. <laughs> well, we just spent the whole show t- or the whole preview here talking about their offense. Carolina's defense is really, really edgy. And I, I, you know what? We talked about the Panthers as a potential team that could overcome their early problems, make the playoffs. I'm liking that right now. I think they already had the two bookend uh, pass rushers in Charles Johnson and Greg Hardy. And then you bring in the two early round rookies who are taking more defensive attention and leaving Hardy and Johnson one on one more often. And really, we should give credit to the secondary. I th- was it Captain Munnerlin who said early in this, before the season that, that we're going to have one of the best defenses? Captain Munnerlin has played great this season. K1 Short is looking just as good as uh, Mark's boy, Star. Well, that's kind of nice. what the Chiefs are doing with Don Terry Poe. They're able to swallow up blockers in the middle, and then you unleash your guys to destroy quarterbacks. Not a bad formula. This is very exciting. We have uh, a guest right now, a respected, very respected NFL analyst and senior producer at NFL Films, the great Greg Cosell. Greg, how are you? Wow, that's that, uh, Dan, that's quite the intro. I've been called a lot worse than that, believe it or not. A, a podcast legend. I mean, when you're not taping your podcast for a week, people get upset. They want, I mean, Mark Sessler, who I'm sitting next to right here, he seemed a little downbeat the week you didn't do your podcast. Wow, you know, that that's wonderful to hear, you know. I uh, hey, I wish more people would ask me to do those things, but I can only, you know, uh, I can only be called to glory when asked. Well, <laughs> I I know I know you'll deliver. Let's talk a little football. You know, I watched Robert Griffin the 3rd and Colin Kaepernick this last week. I thought it was the best performance by both of them this season. Where are they in their development and do you think they're on the road getting back to how well they played last year? Well, that question has many elements to it. Uh, Some would say that the Redskins run the most college-based offense in the NFL, and in fact, they were in the pistol, either one back or two back, on almost 50% of their snaps this week, almost 72% of the yards came from the pistol, and I think that's what they want to do. And it was very effective. That's the way they played last year. We'll see as they go forward because it limits to some degree what they do in the pass game. Uh, I think the 49ers are a little different situation. 
I think the 49ers wanted to expand what they did offensively with the pass game because of Kaepernick's throwing ability, and I think they found out that he may not quite have been ready yet in his learning curve to take that next step. So now I think they've taken a bit of a step back, not only with their run game with the backs, but this week they clearly made his legs a featured part of their offense, and they used two-back pistol a number of times as well and obviously had success with it, including the 20-yard touchdown. Do you think that's a sustainable approach? Like you said, how the Redskins were lining up over 50% of the snaps, how the 49ers are relying on Kaepernick's legs? You know, if somebody told me that my children would be in danger if I didn't answer that question, (laughs) yes or no, I think my answer would be no. I don't think it's ultimately sustainable. Hey, Greg, Chris Wessling. Hey, Chris, how are you? I'm well, thank you. I was impressed by what I saw from Case Keenum last week. I guess I have a two-part question here. Did they open up that offense and run a little pistol, actually? And does Keenum have the physical ability to start for the rest of this season if, if the Texans need that? Well, the, fir- the, the first question is an easy answer. Yes, they were in pistol quite a bit with the same run game, basically. Now, Foster got hurt early, and they run a little bit of a different run game with Tate because he's not a true zone runner the way Foster is. So their run game changed a bit. But you can do anything in the run game out of pistol, which is why teams run it. Um, the other question probably speaks to one sense of, of NFL quarterback attributes. I think Keenum is, is a kid who has a very good feel for the position. Uh, I think he throws the ball with touch. I think he throws the ball with accuracy. I don't think he snaps it off very well. So I think arm strength would be a question mark, and then it comes down to one's view of the NFL quarterback position. I've always believed from watching tape for a long time that you need to be able to make certain kinds of throws at some point. In, in important games. So I would need to see more of Case Keenum, but I, I, I don't think there's a lot of snap and velocity to his throws. Greg, uh, Mark Sessler here. Good to talk with you. Hey, Mark. You know, uh, one of the radioactive topics in this room has been Trent Richardson going from Cleveland to yeah. Indianapolis. Obviously, too early to really judge the trade on its own, but when you watch his play, What's your take? Have we seen really his ceiling, or is this someone that still is going to develop into something that the Colts were looking for? Well, he's made me look kind of stupid because I thought when he came out that he was the best back since Peterson to come out, and he's certainly not been that guy. To me, he has not run at all like he did at Alabama. I can't answer why he hasn't, but he just does not look like that guy, Uh, and You know, I'm beginning to wonder if this is what he is. In other words, he could have some some good games, obviously, because he can be in a position, I'm sure, where he hits some holes and, you know, has some 15, 18, 20-yard plays. But I'm not seeing the same kind of lateral movement that that I saw when I watched him in Alabama. Is any of that because of the plays they're calling for him? Should they be running more outside the tackles a little bit, calling a pitch once in a while? I've always viewed him as as 
a power runner. I mean the play power where the guard pulls, because to me he's a downhill guy who has natural power. And I thought in college he showed great lateral agility and quickness in confined areas, which you have to do in the NFL. And he hasn't seemed to show that part of it in the NFL. Uh, it seems that uh, at times he's indecisive. At times I think, I don't want to say he tries to bounce, but at times I think he doesn't hit the hole and get what's there and maybe a little more given his power. Uh, so he, I think the runs are correct. I think he's a power runner. I don't, I don't see him as a zone runner. Hey, Greg, what happened to Ryan Tannehill this last week? You know, I, I, to me, when, when quarterbacks are, and we, all of us feel the need to make judgments on a week-to-week basis, uh, and, you know, I don't think that anything happened to Ryan Tannehill. I think, I think Ryan Tannehill, there's one thing that I, I think he really needs to improve on, and I think he has a tendency to hold the ball just a little too long. Now, we've looked at all of his sacks through this year at times, and some are not on him at all. But I think he gets sacked too much, and I think at times he just doesn't pull the trigger as quickly as he needs to. And I think he'll learn that. I like Ryan Tannehill's skill set. He's not talked about a lot. But, you know, I think Ron Jaworski told me this when I started working with him. He said there's two games a year and you never know what two they are, where a quarterback just does not necessarily play well. And if you win those games, you know, no one talks about it. If you lose those games, then everybody says you played lousy. And I think that's probably what happened this week. Hey, Greg, I just want to ask you one question about, um, you know, the, the current draft class. Um, is there, Who is the one player that's jumped out to you that's been the biggest surprise and then the biggest disappointment? You're talking about quarterbacks in this draft? Uh, any player, any player that you had your eye on that you were high on uh, coming out of the draft and then either uh, surprised oh, you, oh, you or... Oh, you're talking about the, the, the players in the NFL now or the 2014 the draft? The players now, the rookies of the season. Uh... Okay, let's think back now. Those open-ended questions are tough. Who are the who are the rookies? I, I lose track of this stuff as the season progresses. Tavon Austin, maybe. Well, I think he's been a disappointment because of the way I think they play offense. And uh, I mean, two weeks ago he played four snaps. You can't draft Tavon Austin eighth and play him four snaps or tenth, wherever it was that they obviously traded up. You can't do that. And I don't think they've been unconventional in how they use him, which I I said very strongly before the draft, because I loved him, that if you drafted him, you needed to think a little bit outside the box, and they have not done that. Um, Who else would be? What are your thoughts about Geno Smith? You know what? I think Geno Smith has played, for the most part, very well. You'd expect him to be a little uneven, which he's been, but I think there are some quarterback attributes that really stand out when you watch him. Number one, he's willing to pull the trigger and on difficult throws and on difficult throws at the intermediate and deeper levels. Uh, number two, he's willing to stand in the pocket and deliver when there's pressure, when there are bodies around him. Those are very positive traits. And the way they call games, the way Marty Morningwood calls games, they clearly are developing trust in him. I mean, they came out the first play this week against New England in uh, a spread set with three wide receivers to the left, Jeff Cumberland to the right, clearly a game plan play. They anticipated the man coverage that the Patriots have been playing a lot of. They got Cumberland matched on Hightower, and he made a big-time corner throw 
to start a game. You know, those are hard throws, and that's the first play. So they clearly think that he's advancing, and, and I think it's it's been pretty positive for Geno Smith. Am I crazy to think? Well, you are. Thank you. Thank you for the. <laughs> Thank it, you. It, you said no one talks about Ryan Tannehill. I'm always talking about Ryan Tannehill. Always. I, just, I was curious always. about him a lot, though. You know, it's funny because he's. I. You know, obviously, uh, he was in. You know, this is his second year, so he was in the draft with Luck, Griffin, and Russell Wilson. And I, I don't think you hear his name mentioned very often when those other names are mentioned. No, you're right. I've been driving the bandwagon, so it was a tough week for us as Ryan Tannehill supporters. <laughs> well, but, don't let it get you down. You know, I, I mean. It's hey, that's the way it works in this league. You know, everybody expects, and and this is the way it's going to be now with with particularly quarterbacks taken in the first round. And you know, everybody's talking about a lot of guys right now for this next draft until they go through the process. We don't know. Um, is you know, everybody's EJ Manuel. Okay, he was the 16th player chosen. As soon as he was drafted. I said that he's going to start you, because the way the league is now, you can't draft a quarterback in the first round and not start him. It's not going to happen. Am I crazy? Now I'll get back to it. To think that <laughs> Alshon Jeffrey is the wide rece- is just as good a wide receiver right now as Brandon Marshall. Um, ability-wise, no, you're not. You just want to see performance over time. Uh, you know, I, I I happen to know some people down in South Carolina. I remember talking to their offensive staff, and they told me that if he could keep his weight down, he would have a chance to be a special receiver. Because apparently, he's one of these guys that if he stops working out, you know, can balloon up to 300 pounds. He's just that kind of guy. You know, uh, unfortunately, too many of us are like that too. You know, especially <laughs> when I eat too much. But uh, you know, I think Jeffrey is is a very talented kid. I've learned over the years that these taller wideouts, their their stride length makes them vertical threats. You know, when you watch them, I got burned for years because I'd watch guys coming out of college, and I'd say, boy, they're not fast. And then they'd get to the NFL, and the last guy who was like that that I got burned by was Jordy Nelson, because I watched him in college, and I'm thinking, wow, you know, he doesn't really run that well. And then he's running by NFL corners because these taller receivers, and Jeffrey's even taller than Nelson, it's all about stride length. It's not about 40 times. You know, we're a couple weeks removed from the Bucks setting free Josh Freeman, essentially making Mike Glennon their rookie quarterback, their starter. What are you seeing from him? Do you think that they're happy with where he's at a couple weeks into his career? Yeah, I think they'd be very happy. I've watched every snap, and I think Glennon is, in many ways, your sort of prototypical pocket quarterback. He's got a feel for the pocket, the instincts of a passer. The ball comes out. Uh, He's got a little bit of pocket movement to him, which is very good. Some functional mobility. Uh, I wouldn't say as a gun, but he can make every throw. So I would bet they're very, very happy with Mike Glennon. Now, it'll be very interesting to see what happens depending on how their season plays out. They'll have to make a major judgment on Mike Glennon because they could have a first, second, third, fourth pick in the draft. And I can tell you right now that to me, and I know to the North Carolina State coaching staff, which was the same staff that coached uh, Matt Ryan at BC, they looked at those two guys as almost the same player. Wow. I like it. You're promoting Thursday Night Football, getting people to watch Mike Glenn. Oh, was I doing that? Oh, just, you know, incidentally. Part of the machine. Greg you're, you're, oh, okay. you're an NFL and employee. Way, you know, <laughs> and by the way, I always have dinner at the Combine with Ron Rivera, so I can promote it more. 
There we go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Greg, you were a uh, dominant force as always. Thank you so much for joining us, and please come back, okay? All right, guys. Thanks. I really appreciate it. Thanks, right. Greg. Thank you. Greg Cosell. Just, uh, just an appetizer to the real main course here. We do. While, while Greg was on the phone with us, sitting down now, the man, there was a little heat between the ATL podcast and his podcast, but now he's in the studio. We're going to squash everything. Dave Damashek. Fellas, you're looking well. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. So, how are we, fellas? Dave, you got. Some, I'm validated once again. Validated. See? By what? <laughs> About what Jim Ursay did, the heat that Hanzoos refers to. <laughs> One week ago. I brought up in the newsroom that Peyton Manning, that this is no fluke, and as I'm, that, that Jim Irsay is making these cracks uh, against Peyton Manning, that this is not an accident that he brings up Tom Brady, when he really absolutely had no reason to involve Tom Brady in the conversation, somehow comparing, <laughs> measuring him in terms of rings and everything else. And before I could get it out of my mouth, Hans Zeus and Wessling jump all over me and say, this is a non-story. This is the greatest non-story. How can you indulge this? First of all, even if it is complete phoniness, isn't the, can't we take at least that page from the WWE and enjoy a little trash talk? Isn't that what's fun? Isn't it fun that Steve Smith and Janoris Jenkins have a blood feud now? Doesn't that make the game a little well, more compelling? Wait a See, that's where I'll stop you because that's legit. <laughs> Those are two guys... For whatever reason, uh, Jenkins got over got under Smith's skin, who's a friend of the Dave Damashek football pro- program, correct? Steve Smith, yes. yes. We're definitely on uh, Team Smith on that yeah. one. Yeah. I mean, that's legit, and I love that. But uh, I never team bought Genoris into the Ursa is a thing. lonely place. Not a lot of people on <laughs> Team Genoris. Yeah. And, and really, when it comes down to it, the only person I really need in my corner is Al Michaels. And Al was on... Team Zeus and Wes on this issue well, on Sunday I, I, Night Football. Let me, can I trump you with one? Yeah. I, you know who's on my team? Jim Irsay's on my team. Witness the fact <laughs> that he opened Irsay. the dome. He never opens that dome, but all of a sudden Peyton Manning shows up and he opens that dome. Why? Because he knows Peyton won't like it. On Peyton Manning night. Yes, the <laughs> night began with an, a tribute to, uh, to Peyton. The night should have ended by the Colts fans standing ovation for their owner because he got in Peyton's head, but good. <laughs> Absolutely, he did. And uh, how can you argue that? Well, after I, listened that? Your, uh, I listened to your William Jennings Bryan style dial, uh, diatribe on your podcast <laughs> last night while I was cleaning my apartment. And again, you couldn't be more wrong about this whole issue. Jim Ursay was completely talking about. By the way, Wes has his hands behind his head, rocking I back. I thought we were going to squash the beef he with Damashek. Talking Amishek. about building his team. This has been a incessant theme in Indianapolis all year. He, no. Pep Hamilton, Ryan Grigson are talking about how they want a well balanced team. They want power football. They want a defense and special teams. He ham fistedly brought up Tom Brady, not to get in Peyton Manning's head because he wants the rest of the country to know this is how the Colts are building their team. A it defense, is a shot. Special it, teams. It, but it, that, that doesn't happen in a vacuum. Understand, the Peyton Manning uh, career has been marked by teams, but both franchises now have built the teams around Peyton Manning specifically. This is not, uh, you know, I, I'm trying to think of the comparison here. I don't know that there is one really in the NFL over the last decade that teams have been specifically built for uh, one player's skill set. They have built the line. They have given him the offensive weapons. Like I say, from Indy and now in Denver, the defense gets slept on a little bit 
as a result of that. If you build it that way, then Peyton must come through. That was the shot that Jim Irsay was taking. We gave you everything we could possibly have given you to succeed, Peyton. And ultimately, yes, it produced massive numbers. It did not yield enough titles That's for us. That's not what he was that saying. That is a shot at Peyton Manning. It was, a sh- <laughs> it was Jim Irsay saying, I messed up. I've learned my lesson. You, I have a different philosophy on football now. The one thing I agree with Damashik on is there's no way he didn't get under Peyton Manning's skin. I don't know if that affects the game at all, but are you kidding me that Peyton Manning wouldn't be totally aggravated by what he probably perceives as some joker writing, you know, running this other organization who's, you know, coming up, he's opening the roof. That was totally... Ursa the same way he he viewed Mike Vanderjack. Just idiots (laughs) that he doesn't have to deal with after that they game were was over. close friends for... Uh, they're actually close friends. Yeah, well, Maybe whatever. not now. Listen, but we're never going to all agree on this. You well, know, we but I thought we were going to... But yeah, I, I like just, that we're all in the same room together. Dave, you, you know that we love you, but let's move forward, okay? Because, Dave, would you sit in on the rest of the pod with us? I will. Yes, very all exciting. Right. <laughs> so why don't we as start... As long as Wes admits I'm right. <laughs> after the show. Let's move on. Stick a fork in them. It's time to stick a fork. Um... Dave, every week now we're going to stick a fork in a team that we have decided collectively has no chance of making the playoffs. Who have we forked so far? We did the Jaguars and the Buccaneers have been forked. They are forked. They are forked hard. So now we're going to fork someone else. Let me let me take to Twitter. Wait, you guys don't think the Bucks are making the playoffs? (laughs) Wait, stay tuned because it's about to get juicier. K. Rich. (laughs) Here lies the St. Louis Rams who lost their brave battle with the 2013 season, the moment Sam Bradford's knee bent in a direction God forbids. In lieu of flowers, please send prayers to Rams fans who must endure Kellen Clemens and Brady Quinn for the next 10 weeks. Mm. Brady Quinn does signal the time that the season is over. You know, this... Patriot Saint of Lost Seasons. We actually, uh, when I was... I, <laughs> That's I, so true. He really <laughs> has become. <laughs> I wasn't initially on board with this because if you have three wins through seven weeks, maybe it's a little premature, but I don't know. Like you said, when whenever Kellen Clemens, Brady Quinn are involved, how can we get behind a team? When you decide you don't want to take a chance on a Vince Young or a Tim Tebow, who we all know that wins are a simplistic stat, but they've shown the ability to win at the NFL level, whereas Kellen Clemens and Brady Quinn have shown the ability to author you through a lost season so you can get a high draft pick. Let me get this straight. Two months ago, Bernie Kosar speaks <laughs> openly, honestly, about his analyst viewpoint of Kellen Clemens. He's massacred, right? I like that you're resurfacing ah, he's massacred Kosar for it. pre-DUI. And now we all, we all basically well, agree he, that Kellen Clemens is a total disaster. Season over, put a fork on Unlike him. Kosar, <laughs> we did not get Kellen Clemens' family involved Which, in the discussion. Uh, as Janoris Jenkins now knows, is taboo. What is a, but what is the fear? If you uh, throw dirt on somebody and then they rise up like a zombie, that you'll that they're coming for your throat? Is that why you can't bury a team that maybe we, is a little closer to contention? Well, it happened to us last well, year. Like we have to be 100% right. I see. If so we're you, not, there is no more of this segment anymore, and we all will be banished. It was, it was in, in block form last year. And uh, we messed up on the Redskins. We buried them. We stuck the fork uh, in them. And they three came and back. six. So we decided to take it out of written form, bring it to the podcast, and if we get another one wrong, it's over for the stick of fork. In, in your defense, Shanahan buried the Redskins 
and prompted you to bury it. Yes. I think, may I say, what if you did it like, uh, you remember on uh, Name That Tune, how they, you would do the thing, like I can name it in five notes, I can name it in four. <laughs> what if you guys challenged each other to say a more outrageous team and see who can go the most aggressive and the first person to be wrong has to pay a personal price, not just killing the segment. That's, that's a punishment <laughs> for all of you. Why not punish the one man who sticks his neck out too far? Can I you like get a more idea. recent... I like it. Uh, example here, maybe nah. you didn't have the hundred thousand dollar pyramid. <laughs> Let me tell you, TV used to be gangbusters. You youngsters don't know what you missed out on. See, um, wait, that was your Albert Breer voice. <laughs> Very similar. What to about? Breer. But what about like the Houston Texans? Can't you throw dirt on them? They're done. There's no chance. They maybe. Get back well, what you'll what you'll see too. We're gonna get these easy ones out of the way, but it's gonna get tougher in the next three to four weeks. You know, I'm not ready I to bury the Houston Texans because I, think I really Texans liked Keith Keenum last week. They could get in it. Their defense and their talent, They you don't think they could get back in the mix? Cushing was a major loss last year, so just transferring that uh, from 2012 you know, to this season. And Case Keenum, period. This is, I mean, this is, but, they played great against the this, Chiefs. This is the last time we're going to be able to talk about the Rams really in earnest all season. Fair enough, yeah. Why don't we focus on the Rams? Anything we need to say about them before you know we put the fork all the way in? And well, I want to say one of the most troubling acts of the season was the, after that Bradford torn ACL with Mike Mitchell celebrating. On, I mean, he didn't know that he just knocked the guy out for the year, but he did the whole Brutal. like stand up and thing right over him as their season crumbled. That's why all the Rams got kicked out of the game for going crazy. So I can see why they did that. Wait, hold on. I watched that game. And when Sam Bradford went down, he like landed on both knees. It looked looked like any other fall on a sideline. Yeah. It didn't look bad at all. It was a horse collar, right? No, no. he just pushed out of bounds. It was a little Defoe in platoon. Oh, it just the, worked. It just worked. Out badly. chasing him, slugging him with bullets from behind. Well, I've got all these Rams fans and Panthers fans <laughs> fighting on Twitter now, and uh, somehow I'm involved in it. And the Rams fans are accusing the Panthers of being classless. It was a clean hit. <laughs> And it didn't look like Bradford was seriously injured, so I don't know what the big hubbub is. Did you know, hey, uh, Dave, did you know that Wes has blocked literally hundreds upon hundreds of people on Twitter? He's like a serial killer of If I don't block Twitter. at least a couple people a day, I don't feel right. Have you blocked anyone, Dave? What's your count at, you think? I'll do it on occasion, but I enjoy the back and forth with the people. I, do you I. Know, yeah, I mean, I like the you're an idiot, Y-O-U-R, you know, those kind of things. I like indulging Wes that sort of thing. has a shutdown policy. I, well, the, I, you're not the first, but it is, it's a fun game to play. Yeah, you know, I don't have, cross the man. Well, I just, my benchmark is, is my life worse for you being in it? And if the answer is yes, then you're gone. That's true. That's <laughs> true. Control the things you can control and whatever the phrase is. Hey, but what about uh, Cosell just more or less insinuated as much? The Tavon, something I've been talking about the last couple of weeks is the Tavon Austin uh, so-called bust isn't on him. And it's probably not on Jeff Fisher, but it is on Brian Schottenheimer, who when you talk to guys in the NFL now, and you say, what is the what is the thing with the Rams? Because again, I think we, I think the the five of us talked about this just before the season started off, and I said I think the Rams have a real shot at getting that uh, that second seed in the postseason. And the reason it's not working out isn't because of Bradford. The defense should be fine. It's Brian Schottenheimer, and it's shocking to me. Until I realized, well, it happened with the presidency of the United States, so why wouldn't it happen in the NFL? <laughs> but nepotism is a real thing. I mean, Jay Gruden, by all accounts, is completely out of his depth as an offensive what? coordinator. 
A Who lot- says that? Well, I'm not going to name <laughs> names. I don't know if they want me throwing their names out there with this, but believe me, I've talked to a lot of people who would know about such things, guys who we work with who have been around him and been in uh, been in the game, and they say he's just not up to uh, snuff on that level. You're throwing Mariucci under the bus. I'm throwing <laughs> what, and then the other guy is, even though the the Panthers are playing well, is Mike Shula. All three of those guys yeah. have benefited from nepotism, and they all say, if you talk about them one by one, people will tell you, oh yeah, he's not very good. Jay Gruden is purely a product of his brother's success, which seems insane to me, but this is this is what uh, people are telling me. And I could tell you, as uh, a Jet fan who lived through the 2007 four and twelve season, the Kellen Clemens Brian Schottenheimer model does not work. <laughs> not, no. No, not successful. It's not effective. <laughs> it's sad that Tavon Austin's best game of the season included two fumbles. That was last <laughs> week's game. I mean, that was his best game. He had a play called back that wasn't his fault. He made another play, and that was it. But he fumbled twice. So, fare thee well, St. Louis Rams, until next year. Um, and we move on to really the only reason I came into work today. <laughs> really the only thing I care about uh, for uh, my job is this game. Get those production values over at the Dave Damchek. <laughs> Hold on. Before we get into the toaster segment, Dave exciting. had a trivia question. I did. I thought of, uh, oh, well, yeah, I realized time. this a little while ago, I, uh, about a week ago. Um, I will name drop. I was talking to former New York Giants head man, Jim Fossil. And uh, I, because I was I was saying, it's, it's where, really. Where was this? Did you take him up? <laughs> and that's what it is at the NFL <laughs> Network. You're just walking the halls like, hey, look, it's LaDainian Tomlinson. Let's talk about NBA basketball for 10 minutes, which in fact happened yesterday. An informed conversation about why the West is still better than the East. He's dropping Andre Iguodala's move to Golden State as a reason why that team's going to be a contender this year. Fascinating stuff from a future so Hall of Fame. So you've got time in your day, obviously. That's my way. Well, this yeah. is also the talent. This is oh, the talent. Right, right. Did you did you let Tomlinson speak at all during the conversation? I'm telling you, <laughs> I walked by a TV screen and there was uh, it, it said something about my 76 percent of NBA GMs say the Heat are going to win the title. I said, "Who are these 24 percent that aren't picking them?" <laughs> and that went into that led him into his uh, his lengthy uh, exp- uh, explanation why the rest of the league has now caught up with the Heat. But my question is, so I said that, so I was talking to Fossil. I said. It's funny, history seems to have forgotten. One of the weirdest upsets uh, in recent memory to me is that you not only beat the Vikings to get to the Super Bowl against the Ravens, but you beat them 41-0. to 0. This, was, this was Dante Culpepper at his height, Randy Moss, Chris Carter, Robert Smith. How did you beat them 41-0? And as we got into it, he, dro- he name-dropped, do you know who his defensive coordinator, that's a little easier, and who his OC were? John Fox and Sean Payton. Sean Payton is right. I was I had no wow. memory of that whatsoever. That's I thought that was stuff. fast. Well, West now intimidates me. <laughs> I shouldn't have done this right in front of playing for his toaster. Wow, that was a statement by West. That was. Well, I came to play that. Was a, that was a warning. Okay, so here we go. So, Message delivered. So what we're going to do, we have uh, Kay, Rich on, Kay Rich, are you back there? I'm Can't back here, you. as always. So we, who do we have? We have two contestants today, right? We do. Right now we have Neil Dutton on the line. Uh-oh. Whoa. Oh, man, Neil. Infamous Neil Dutton. Hey, Neil, what's up? Welcome to the ATL podcast with special <laughs> guests. Yeah, what's up, man? Hey, was Neil on the Dave Damashek football program? This as is well? now. This is apparently now his second NFL media appearance. <laughs> Neil Dutton, a <laughs> rising star. Say, this is now his second job. <laughs> Podcast visitor, uh, Neil. Dave Damashek is is sitting in on the game as if you needed more pressure to perform. You have a, a straight up hero listening in. 
the the uh, the, the nerves may overcome me. <laughs> <laughs> oh wait, Neil's from Liverpool, right? Yes, yes, that's correct. Yeah, you could tell the dialect. Yep, sounds exactly like uh, yeah, like uh, Paul McCartney '63. All right, Neil, do you know the rules of Win West's toaster? I think I do. Yeah, I will go over them anyway. Um, it is a game of skill and valor. It will be six questions. They are the same six questions. First, I will ask the contestant, Neil. Chris will go behind the glass. He will not be able to hear your responses. Uh, you will give your answers, Neil. It will be timed, and then I'll we'll stop the clock. We'll bring Wes in. He'll answer the same questions. We'll stop the clock. Uh, whoever has the most questions right either gets the co- to- toaster or keeps it. And if you guys tie, the tiebreaker is the clock, how long it took you to answer the question. And Mark Sessler is the clock man. This is always a, a very exciting part of the game. <laughs> Sessler on the clock. Did not go well the first week. It's going to go well today. So, Neil, is that all clear? That's clear, yep. And you could pass, and then uh, if you if you want to come back to one, you can, but keep in mind that the, the clock counts in this game. So okay. we're, we're going to send Wes out of the room. Wes, be gone. Wes taking his Is this a game out. of honor? Does he actually not stand in the other room and listen to it? He can't hear. He's behind the glass. And K. Rich is watching over it like a guard. Greg is completely silent. Greg hates this game. I've tuned out. (laughs) I'm rooting for you, Neil, to end this long-suffering segment that keeps coming back. (laughs) The pressure's just piling further and further on me. All right, Neil. So uh, here we go. So I'll ask you the questions. Then you tell. I'll ask you if you want to stop the clock, and you tell me, all right? Okay. Here we go. What number did Jim Brown wear with the Browns? 33. Who holds the Super Bowl record for most rushing yards in a game? Uh, Terrell Davis. The Tennessee Oilers became the Tennessee Titans in what season? 97. Who has the most career catches in Cowboys history? Drew Pearson. Who is the NFL's active leader in interceptions? Peyton Manning. Who was the MVP of Super Bowl 43 between the Steelers and Cardinals? Ben Roethlisberger. All right. We'll stop the clock there. Strong. It was? All right. Oh, Dutton. Neil. Neil, 33? Neil, you got zero. I know. (laughs) That's a zero. But let's not tell Wes. Neil, just uh, who knows? Well, uh, let's let's paint it to Wes. No. Accurately, that it's your turn. Yeah, it is your turn, Wes. Wes is in the room. Listen, we're not going to tell you how Neil did, but uh, you better bring your game here. Ooh, those Brits are tough. All right. All right, start the clock. What number did Jim Brown wear with the Browns? 32. Who holds the Super Bowl record for most rushing yards in a game? Timmy Smith. The Tennessee Oilers became the Tennessee Titans in what season? 1991. Who has the most career receptions in Cowboys history? Michael Irvin. Who is the NFL's active leader in interceptions? Ed Reed. Who is the MVP of Super Bowl 43 between the Steelers and Cardinals? James Harrison. Stop the clock. Both of you miss San Antonio. Yes. Yeah. That was who I was debating. Wes, between. you got three, and that was more than enough. Neil was shut out. Wes keeps his toaster. <laughs> Wow. Timmy Smith is still correct, right? Yes, Timmy Smith was correct. The Oilers became the Titans in 99. Jason Witten is the Cowboys' all-time oh, uh, receptions that was leader. Slippery. 
And, uh, yeah, Santonio Holmes won Super Bowl forty three with the toe tap. Well, Neil's answer of Peyton Manning with the most interceptions was interesting. He could mm-hmm. file a complaint. It's kind of like <laughs> cl- when Cliff Clavin complained on, on Cheers. Well, you can't yeah, make a Cliff Clavin <laughs> reference when <laughs> we have Cliff Clavin in the studio. When he, when he went on Jeopardy and his answer was, who are three people that have never been in my kitchen? And technically, <laughs> he was right. <laughs> Clavin getting up with the technicality. Got to love it. That's right. I forgot Wait. about that. Wait, is Peyton Manning uh, the active leader in interceptions thrown? I know. That's what is I was just going right? to say. I'm not sure that he's the leader I there. I don't know that. Anyway, it's all, it's all a moot point. Neil, uh, you did not win Wes's toaster, but um, thank you so much for playing. I have ashamed my own country. <laughs> hey, still got the Beatles, man. Still got the Beatles. All right, thank you for listening, and uh, have a good one, man. Thanks very much. All right, Wes. That was uh, essentially that was like a stretching exercise. Yeah. So uh, I missed Witten. That one. I would have beaten you both, except that it's a little unfair because Jason Witten, I didn't get the first go around. I misunderstood <laughs> the question when you asked it to Neil. I did get it right in my brain. When All right, K. Rich. We have a uh, another caller on the line, don't we? We do coming right up. This is exciting. This one feels better. I feel, you know, I love Neil, but he wasn't a real competitor in this game. I feel like we got one here. By the way, Carriage screened these contestants. All right, next up on the line we have Sham. Sham, how are you? Hey, doing good. Uh, great honor to talk to you guys. Huge fan of uh, Greg Rosenthal and Chris Westling from nearly ten years ago. So, all right, yeah. thank you. So, Roto World uh, fan. Not so much of Cecil yeah. and Hansis, though. <laughs> yeah, you, pretty <laughs> much. Right. We'll take what we can get. Sham, where are you calling from? Uh, I'm in Sacramento, California. I went to school uh, in Wisconsin, and I'm a Green Bay Packers fan. Uh, very good. And if you're a Roto World fan, you ah. probably know your stuff. I would think. I'm I'm liking your chances. All right, so sh- <laughs> all right, so Sham, do you know the rules of the game? Uh, I get to win a toaster if I answer uh, more questions than Chris in uh, a minute, is it, or 45 seconds? You got a minute, and uh, we'll go, in, and at the end of the uh, six questions, we stop the clock. That's the time breaker is how long it takes you to answer them. And to be clear, it's not any toaster. It's a toaster that imprints an NFL logo on your toast any team you want. What, choose the team. Different uh, different meals, different teams. It's pretty good it's toaster. basically magic. Yeah, Wes doesn't want to lose it. So, Wes, can you step behind the glass sure. again? Sham is going to now challenge you. Sham, just so you know, Wes has already taken down one competitor today. You are the second and final contestant. So it's all riding on you. No pressure, though. <laughs> Thanks, guys. <laughs> all right. Uh, you ready? Yes. Here we go. Start the clock. Who played the halftime show at, Su- at the Superdome in 2002 Super Bowl between the Patriots and Rams? You too. How many teams did Brett Favre play for? Uh, Atlanta, Green Bay, uh, the Jets, and the Vikings. Four. Name the two years Tom Brady won the NFL MVP. 2007, the uh, NFL season 2007, and 2010. What was the name of the Raiders center who went AWOL before Super Bowl 37? Oh, boy. Um, I know this. Uh, can I come back to it, or do I have yes. to answer now? Who coached the Jets when they won Super Bowl three? Uh, Ten seconds. That, that one I passed. I'll, I'll go back to the center one. Okay. Uh, oh, man. 
Tubin, no. Uh, that's it. Clock. Okay. One minute. You got three right. That's good. I thought you were going to go for a sweep there. You you got to five out of the six. Weeb and bear. Good job, Sham. And now Wes Thank is coming you. back in. Sham, you just listen in. The uh, toaster is hanging in the balance as Wes sits down. Wes, okay. I won't say how Sham did, but he did better than Neil. That could be a wide range. <laughs> yeah. All right. Start the clock. Okay. Who played the halftime show at the Superdome in 2002 Super Bowl between the Patriots and Rams? Be like Britney Spears or somebody. I don't know. <laughs> How many teams did Brett Favre play for? Three. <laughs> Name the two years Tom Brady won the NFL MVP. 2007, 2011. What was the name of the Raiders center who went AWOL before Super Bowl 37? Barrett Robbins. Who coached the Jets when they won Super Bowl three? Weeb Eubank. London Fletcher is the NFL's active leader in consecutive games played. Who is second? Reggie Wayne? Stop the clock. Mm. You got two right. Oh, wow. Sham, you have won oh. Wes's toaster. Yeah. Oh, the Atlanta Falcons. <laughs> Congratulations, Sham. The rain is Greg, over. Greg is wow. out of his seat. This segment has just been forked. Wow. And Greg you know, predicted it. The best thing about That's this is right. that Mr. Rosenthal had a Sessler about this. That's right. Wow. His Sesslers are becoming legit. Wow. What just happened? (laughs) Whatever. (laughs) Fair question. Whenever um, Sessler gets these feelings sometimes, so we now call feelings Sesslers, and that's the sound of a a feeling. And Sunday night after my correct Colts to win prediction, oh, I, I came did. out with the Wesseling's going to lose his toaster prediction. Listen, Shum, you you did it, and I'll tell you what. You had three, Wes had two, and Wes, if you would have gotten Eli Manning as second in consecutive games played, active streak, you would have won on the tiebreaker because Shum took all his 60 seconds, but you couldn't get it, and now you don't own that toaster Can anymore. you tell me the correct answers? Okay, here we go. The uh, Sham got the first one right. It was you two that played the post nine eleven Super Bowl. I, by the way, I think that that's the one. That's the uh, that's the shameful one. I, I, Wes, you're a football guy. It's not there's, your obligation to know. There's YouTube. never a halftime right, act agree. that I will get. <laughs> I or ask care that question about. for two reasons. Number one, Bono's my boy. But number two, uh, I knew that would drive you crazy. Oh, so it, I, it does. It, I would rather. And be asked the corporate name of a stadium than who played halftime in a specific. Year. Is the next is the next round going to be uh, <laughs> which bosom was exposed by Janet Jackson in the Super Bowl? Any question that Black Eyed Peas could possibly be an answer to should not be. <laughs> I on agree. Favre, this, game. this is, is no the one that really round. caught you though. Brett Favre yeah, played four Falcons. teams. Yeah. Four teams. Uh, Brady, two thousand seven and two thousand ten. So let's not put this on Bono on the edge. There were a lot of great answers here that you should have had. I thought Baron Robbins, you had. Uh, Eubank you got, but Eli. So Eubank. Sh- uh, we Eubank you got, oh, right. Yeah, yeah. Um, Sham, congratulations again. K-Rich will be in touch with you uh, via the social media machine uh, to get you your toaster, which you now own. Congrats, Sham. Wow. Thank you very much. So so does this become a recurring segment where now people have to try and win Sham's toaster? Or? Oh, <laughs> yeah. We're going to have to talk about that, actually. <laughs> I think, it, at the very least, a rematch, possibly. Yeah, I'll be the first one up on your show. Um, <laughs> all right, Sham, thanks again, and congratulations. 
Thank you, guys. Wow. Yes, you will like you'll never eat toast again now. I feel no, like we're never. In, I feel Nor like will we're I in ever Tokyo toast Dome. anyone else again. Also, I would like to invent a game show where Dan answers the questions and I get to make up the questions. <laughs> He's salty. <laughs> I'm very salty. <laughs> the bottom line here is that Sean was asked the same questions and he actually got that question right, and it didn't cost you. It was, the, it was three questions that you could have had. It just it is what it is. That way it works. Now let me ask you a question before we go. Sheck, do you want to challenge Wes? I'd love to challenge him. I'd love nothing more. Let me ask you guys this more open-ended type of question, though. (laughs) And by the way, I did notice that Rosenthal is one of the very few, if the only guy I saw out there who picked the Colts. So kudos to him. That was a a savvy pick. Um, Even with all my Peyton predictions, I fell prey to thinking, this is one he's going to show up and really torment Ursay for trying to get under his skin. In a copycat league... Now the the blueprint has been shown. This is mess with Peyton, and it'll probably uh, undo him a little bit more. <laughs> um, what if, shame the devil, if we ever get a Peyton Manning versus Tony Romo Super Bowl? <laughs> because neither one of them co- comes through in the clutch, so by definition the game would never end. It would just go on and on, <laughs> overtime after overtime. Goodbye, St. Patrick's Day, because we're spending it at the Meadowlands. <laughs> Summertime would come and go, oh, let's watch the fireworks from the stands. We have no choice. The game's still going. The 2014 season would try to begin, but the Jets and Giants wouldn't have access to their own stadium because Tony and Peyton would still be going head-to-head. Who would win that game? This would be uh, this would be like Mardi Gras for the – Damashek podcast of Rank, <laughs> Hank, and and Sheck just going on about this great turn of events, a national holiday. I even I'm sick of talking about it now. All right, so <laughs> this is this is barreling towards our longest podcast ever. Oh, so why a, don't we by a long shot? Why don't we do it, um, West? You care to step out one more time? Okay, scram. You know this is a little. What's at stake here? Just pride. Dignity. Obviously, there's no toaster anymore. But uh, to squash the beef between us and Damashek's podcast, I, we're doing a podcast as long as one of your. Podcasts. I thought we were going to start to do. <laughs> I thought we were going to start to do uh, the so-called crosstalk. That is, we departed, or oh, as you yeah. departed, and we yeah. entered. That we would uh, start. You to know, do some black cross-talk. tie. Black tie talked that up. Um, so maybe, we, maybe we got to get him. Uh, I would enjoy it, and may I plug that uh, we had uh, one of our very favorites, Ryan Clark, joined us, and he discussed a full range of uh, of issues regarding the Steelers and beyond. He's a great one, that Ryan Clark. Beyond. Yeah, oh yeah, he doesn't pull. Unlike most NFL guys, if you start talking about other teams, they quickly demure because they know they shouldn't talk about it. Not Ryan Clark. He'll talk about Brandon Merriweather and his opinions on why the way he hits people and what goes on in other locker rooms. He's, he's quite frank. Give it a listen, won't you? We shall. All right, so let's get this going. I'm ready. Here we go. Uh, who was the quarterback when the Browns won their last playoff game in 1994? Um, pass. I'm going to think of it while uh, I know I can picture Only him. one player has won Comeback Player of the Year honors twice. Holcomb, Kelly Holcomb. Only one player has won Comeback Player of the Year honors twice. Who is it? Joe Montana? Who started the last regular season game for the Colts before Andrew Luck took over to start the 2012 season? Hmm. Um, Curtis Painter. I know that's not right, but. Who was the Raiders' leading rusher in 1988 season? That's pre-Chaz Garner. Um, pass. Name the two players that have named two teams that have never played in the Super Bowl. 
The this will be a humiliation if I can't get this one. Um, the Jags and the Browns. All right, stop the clock. It took the full minute. Only got to five of the questions. Who was oh, really? Dang. Wait, isn't the last question that you said fatally flawed? Since there's way more than two teams. What do you mean? Mike. Two of the teams. I I'm bummed two, I uh, missed that two one. Teams that I, we played. got West in the room. So. <laughs> All right. I have, a, I have a. I have a. I have an answer after his, just to take a guess. But okay. anyway. that's when I get the answers too. Here we go. You ready? After I'm already done. Yep. Who was the quarterback when the Browns won their last playoff game in 1994? Vinny Testaverde. Only one player has won Comeback Player of the Year honors twice. Who is it? Pass. Who started the last regular season game for the Colts before Andrew Luck took over to start the 2012 season? Dan Orlovsky. Who was the Raiders' leading rusher in the 1988 season? Bo Jackson. Name two teams that have never played in the Super Bowl. Jaguars and Mark Sessler's Browns. <laughs> What's the name of the Cowboys' home stadium? <laughs> he did it again. AT&T. He got stadium. it. Stop the clock. I, I, I would he, like to retroactively guess Marcus Allen. Uh, oh, that I is never correct. Came back is and said, uh, I never came back and said comeback player of the year. Oh, yeah. 94, Chad. I wasn't listening close enough. Vinny Testaverde beat the beat whoever to get to the Steelers. Here, to, Holcomb didn't beat here's anybody. your hint on comeback player of the year. It's an obvious Dan question. <laughs> Chad Pennington. Oh. Uh, Wes <laughs> got four correct. One. One. <laughs> Which one? One. You're no shum. Mm, no, I'm Plus, there, isn't there like seven teams that haven't played in the Super Bowl? He just wanted two of them. Oh, okay. yeah, just said that's a oh, yeah, the you Texans have it. Yeah, I got it. Too. I got that one right. And there's only four that yeah. have never played. Anyway, so... Uh, that's the only one I got correct? Yeah, that's the only one you got. That's a shame. <laughs> mm. I feel sad. <laughs> hey, Does anybody in this room know who's in that uh, black and white po- uh, photograph? A Tampa Bay Buccaneer wearing the old creamsicle uniform. Number Hardy 53. Nickerson? Incorrect. Biggers. I'll give you a great clue. Came in second in the Heisman balloting in 1980. <laughs> Nearly won it. Was the first really hype defensive player to take a run at winning the Heisman Trophy. Leroy, Leroy Selman. Selman? No. Uh, let's see. I believe he's passed away, correct? Wow, this is a very Dave kind of question. Pittsburgh-centric. I wonder what the listeners think. Hugh Green. <laughs> Number 99, <laughs> Hugh, Hugh nice. Green. Nice. Um, okay, so that wraps up the podcast. We will be back on Friday. We're going to go over the Thursday night game and preview all the Sunday games. Dave, thank you so much. For thank you, with fellas. Us. Uh, and I uh, listen shamed to the- my podcast <laughs> by my performance. <laughs> listen to the Dave Damashek football program um, uh, two times a week, and you also have the Sheck Report. All the other NFL, all the great stuff. Um, This is Dan Hansis signing off for the mailman, the sizzler, the boss, K. Rich behind the glass, and of course, Lyle the intern. Until Friday. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, 
your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.